I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Weekend, Oklahoma picking up a big-time commitment from Caleb Johnson, three-star athlete out of Texas, the number 55-ranked player in the state of Texas. Uh, Greenville is his hometown. He's rated as the number 29 cornerback in the 2020 recruiting, excuse me, 2021 recruiting cycle. Uh, again, top 55 player in Texas. He will play corner, I believe, at the University of Oklahoma. It's a good pickup for the Sooners, and so that's just something we got to throw out there since the last time we talked on Thursday. The point of this episode, though, is to continue in our position rankings. We're moving sides. We started on the offensive side of the ball. We went through all those positions. Now we're moving over to the defensive side of the ball, and the first set of position rankings that we're starting with, the guys up front, the defensive linemen. He's Rich. I'm Matt. This is the Sooner Nation podcast. And Rich, let's just jump right into this. You don't know my rankings. I don't know yours. I'm always curious, always curious to see how this uh, how this plays out. You want to know if you had an inkling of knowledge in the rankings rather than just guesses? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I don't know. I, yeah, because I feel I'm the exact same blind, way. Blind, blind here. And I'm always curious where you put OU, where I put OU. You know, because we're Sooner fans. You may be surprised. Well, you may be surprised. I don't know. Um, and then I'm I'm curious, you know, all together who we have at number one. So we'll start number 10 uh, for me, the defensive line position group. This is the interior and the outside. So defensive tackles, nose guards, whatever you call them in your, in your formation, and then defensive ends. Because some, some schools in the Big 12 run a three-man front, some run a four-man front, some run a five-man front. So it's across the board, it's when you say, oh, they only got two returning starters. Well, if they run a three-man front, they've got two returning starters. That's 66% of their defensive line that's coming back. You like how I did the quick math there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you run a five-man front and you got two returning starters, clearly that's a bigger gap than a three-man front or a four-man front. So that said, my number 10 going into the 2020 college football season is the Baylor Bears, the Big 12 runner-ups. Um, I've got James Lynch left early for the NFL. He was the only underclassman on that defensive line. Everyone else is gone. So Baylor's starting over on the defensive front. And I keep talking about how much of a difference it's going to make not having Matt rule there. And that mentality, that warrior, we're just going to be out physical and out. We're going to outplay them on the level of physicality. And James Lynch is the guy who embodied that on the defensive side of the ball. Of everybody who left on that defensive on that defensive front, Lynch was the guy who was the biggest loss for the Baylor Bears, and he was an underclassman. So I got Baylor number 10. <laughs> number 10 may surprise you, Matt, because my rankings aren't based solely upon what, and I know yours aren't either, I'm not implying that, but my rankings aren't based on who's returning and who is leaving or solely based on that turnover. 
I still have Kansas at the bottom. When I look at their run defense, they were dead last Mm -hmm. in the conference. And I've said this on numerous occasions that returning starters or starting experience can be a bad thing in certain cases. And I do believe that to be the case with the Kansas Jayhawks. Now they're switching to a 3-4 front, or they switched last year to that 3-4 front. They're going to, I'm assuming, stick with that 3-4 front moving forward without a ton of starting experience sitting on the roster. It's going to to force them to utilize some youth that sits there that is available. I just don't know how well they're going to assume the role of stopping the run, knowing that they were so bad at it last year. There's a lot of room for improvement, but for now, they're going to be at the bottom of the list for me, which brings in number nine, who is your number 10. I do have the Baylor Bears there. You've mentioned the the three-headed monster of the defensive line, starting with James Lynch. You had James Lockhart and Bravion Roy. Replacing all three of those along the, the defensive front is never a good sign. However, I've bumped Baylor above Kansas for the simple fact that the guys who are waiting in the wings got to learn from those three. That's the only logical reason I could come up with as to why they should be bumped ahead of Kansas and hold down that number nine spot. Well, I've got well, you we're inverted here because I've got Kansas at number nine. So we're just we're we're in the same ballpark, mm-hmm. just different. And and Kansas does everything you said. They've they've got Malcolm Lee at defensive end returning this fall. And here's the thing though. I I I, ha- I believe in Les Miles. Okay, I saw I'm old enough to remember him coaching at Oklahoma State, and I saw what he did after Bob Simmons left and how he brought that program around. I don't think that Les Miles is too far off from beginning to start a change at in Lawrence, he's just got such a empty cupboard. And, but Malcolm Lee's not, I mean, he's not chopped liver. He's a guy you can start with. And as you just mentioned, he's got a year of experience and, and that, and that transit, that transition to the three man front. So I've got Kansas number nine and then number eight, Maybe a little bit of a surprise here, but I've got Kansas State at number eight. And Kansas State has an all-conference guy in Wyatt, uh, Wyatt Hubert, but that's all they've got is Wyatt Hubert. I mean, you had Tommy Harris at Oklahoma, and he was one of the best defensive tackles to ever play during the Bob Stoops era. But Tommy Harris is all you've got. You don't have a very good defensive line. you got one good defensive lineman, and then you've got a crappy line. And Kansas State has one good guy. He's an all-conference caliber guy, but we don't know what else they have beyond that one guy. And so I've got Kansas State number eight. I'm a little bit surprised by that one. Not going to lie. Number eight for me is the Texas Tech <laughs> Red Wow. Well, you're going to be shocked where I have them. I, I see Eli Howard popping up on the preseason mm-hmm. all-conference list. I'm not unaware that he exists, but I do know that he will be without Broderick Washington in the middle. My question for Texas Tech is how effective of a pass rusher can a guy like Eli Howard be when he doesn't have a, a more dominant force in the middle, an unproven force in the middle that was routinely picking up double teams in order to allow a guy like Howard to get around that edge and to put pressure on the quarterback. I'm combining that with the fact that Texas Tech may have started the season well. Their first four games, the defensive line looked like the real deal. Mm -hmm. However, past those first four games, they slowly but surely faded out. 
Is that going to be the trend once again? Is this a team that may start strong, but once they get into conference play, shows a lot of their weaknesses, maybe in technique, maybe in depth, maybe in size? There's there's a lot of factors that go into that. It's why I've got Texas Tech at number eight was really because of how they finished the season and knowing they've only... I, I wrote this and what's going to be our, our rankings coming out a little bit later. Um, but I did write this in that Eli Howard is the linchpin of this defensive line. They are going to fail or they're going to succeed based upon his performance more than anyone of the entire unit. And number seven, Shouldn't be a surprise to you. I do have Kansas State, Matt. The Kansas State Wildcats there giving up 5.05 yards per carry. Again, a league worst. I know that I said the Kansas Jayhawks were the worst against the run in the conference, but in yards per carry, Kansas State held down that title. When I look at what Kansas State has, you've mentioned Wyatt Hubert. One guy does not make or break the entire line, and that goes for the offensive line. In the trenches, in the trenches in general, one guy can be a, a star player, but he does not determine the success single-handedly. The weakest link will always determine that success. When I look at Kansas State, I don't know who they have coming in to replace a lot of the guys that they are losing. I know that they're going to depend pretty heavily upon some youngsters. Will they be able to fill out? Will they be able to live up to those expectations Kansas State number seven for me. I kind of feel like you you contradicted yourself though when you yeah, were talking with the about Red Raiders. Yeah, I was just saying. Yeah, and I get I get how that statement is contradictory. Texas Tech, I've got them ranked low despite having Eli Howard, but I'm saying they they're going to measure their success by how well he does mm-hmm. because it is a pass happy league. If he can get to the quarterback, it means that the rest of the line is performing up to what they're expected to do and not allowing these offensive lines to double team a guy like Eli Howard or even just push him well well beyond the pocket. Okay, so let's. Uh, my, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I just I just feel like one guy's one guy, regardless of right, and you it's know, true. It's so true. I, I've got a little bit of controversy at number seven and at number six. Okay, so if you if you thought you were a little bit surprised by Kansas State at uh, number eight, here here comes the real controversy. Number seven, I've got Iowa State, and 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 actually number six, they're they're both there's question marks there that I just don't know about. Technically, Iowa State reser- returns Zach Peterson, defensive end, started all season last year, and he's technically is the only returning starter because Jaquan Bailey got hurt so early in the season and Bailey was gone for most of the season last year, but he's all conference type guy. If he can come back and pick up where he left off, you will immediately see Iowa state move up from the bottom half to the top half of these rankings. I just don't know. I don't, I don't know what the health of, of Bailey is. I hope he's a full go because you never want someone to be healthy. I mean, be, be injured. You always want to be healthy, but I, I just, I don't know enough about Bailey to, to push them beyond what I know about Zach Peterson being the one guy returning. So um, number six, here I go. Here where I'm about to get in trouble. Number six, I've got Oklahoma. Because you talk about really not knowing, and the, the truth of the matter is I could easily invert Oklahoma and Iowa State. And I could make Iowa State number six and Oklahoma number seven. Because here's what we know about Oklahoma. Jalen Redmond. We know Jalen Redmond is the guy on that defensive line right now that is going to start the first game of the season 
and be one of the one of the kind of the havoc wreakers on the defensive line. We know Ronnie Perkins is an all ca- all conference caliber player, but the truth is, and ju- on July, you know, whatever it is, what's today, twenty first, twentieth, whatever today's date is, we we know that we know that we we I mean we we know that Perkins is going to face suspension. We know how good he is, but we don't know how much we're going to get to see him play in 2020. We also know that Oklahoma brought in the top two junior college defensive tackles, Josh Ellison, Perry, and Winfrey. And you were pretty high on them the other week. Well, I am. I I said one single knock about defensive tackle from the JUCO ranks, saying it was more of a stopgap than anything else. And you brought up these two guys and chastised me for it. No, because I know what they were brought up for. These guys... They they have to be they have to be immediate plug and play players. We know what their potential is because they're the top two junior college defensive tackles in the nation, but they have to immediately produce. There is no learning curve here. And if Oklahoma misses the non-conference portion of the season and they just go straight into conference game, these guys are immediately thrown into the fire as well. So I've got all kinds of questions about Iowa State. I got all kinds of questions about Oklahoma. And I think, honestly, the more I talk about it, Oklahoma probably should be number seven and Iowa State number six. But the truth of the matter is, with both of these guys, or both of these teams, they have immediate potential to jump way up into the top five based on how these big questions are answered. But at this point, if it's more questions than answers, you can't put them in the top five, in my opinion. So that said, who do you have at number six? I am. You are going to be utterly shocked as we go through these rankings with where you have Oklahoma and Iowa State comparatively to where I have them. Because as you're speaking, my mind is saying, oh, crap. Did did I not know something, or am I about to show my ignorance of college Which is football? Which always always the risk when we, with, when we turn the with microphones these on. Rankings, so I'm just going to continue up, hope for the best, and keep my fingers crossed. At number six, I put the TCU Horn Frogs. Really? I mean, Matt, we're about to have a top five, and it's not going to feature Iowa State. I mean, a bottom five, and it's not going to feature Iowa State. Or Oklahoma for me. That's fine. I, I do have the TCU Horn Frogs there. I do believe Gary Patterson, the defensive mind that he is, knows how to take a player, shape them, and mold them to fit any role. I said defensive player, but I mean defensive mind that Gary Patterson is. Has the ability to take any player, regardless of size, regardless of talent, regardless of technique, and shape them into a player who can play any position on the field. He's routinely done that and he's been extremely successful at that. We see him recruit athletes and then with no label puts them on one side of the ball and those players have excelled. I do expect Gary Patterson to once again be able to do that, but I don't know how you replace a guy the size of Ross Blacklock there in the middle of the the defensive line. He's going to leave a gaping hole for a defense that potentially has two all-conference selections on the defensive line in O'Shawn Mathis and Corey Bethley. Now, these two will be used in extremely different situations where I believe Mathis is the guy who's coming off of the edge and Bethley is going to be that bull rusher in the middle to try to disrupt things. TCU has a recipe for success. I just want them to prove it before I put them in the top five because of where they stood last season and because of the lack of the ability to get to the quarterback. 
Okay. I yeah. need to give you my number five as well. No, huh? no, we're we're gonna, we're gonna jump into the top five together here in just a minute, and um, so yeah, so that that's gonna that's gonna round up our five. We're going from worst to first. So just real fast to to recap, I've got number ten Baylor, number nine Kansas, number eight Kansas State, number seven Iowa State, number six Oklahoma. You are sh- vastly my, different. Yes, yeah, and you're like I said, gonna be utterly shocked by where I have a couple of these teams. 10 was the Kansas Jayhawks. I had the Baylor Bears at number 9. Texas Tech Red Raiders holding down number 8. Kansas State Wildcats at number 7. And the TCU Horned Frogs at number 6. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, we're rolling along with our uh, defensive line rankings. And, and here's the thing. I encourage you to jump over to heartland-sports.com because what we want to do is Uh, We do this across the board with all of our staff, and so we do a consensus uh, rankings of the Big 12 line, uh, uh, well, the Big 12 position rankings. Defensive line is where we are. If you go to heartland.sports.com and type in in our search blog, position rankings, you'll see we've got all of the offense already there, quarterback, running back, receivers, tight ends, and then um, who am I leaving out? Oh, offensive line. And now we're starting the defensive side of the ball with the defensive line. We've got our 10 through 10 through 6. Now it's time to start with uh, 5 through 1, ranking worst to first. And we are not seeing eye to eye on this. Um, I will tell you this. I, I'm I'm going to stick with TCU at where I have them because we're close. But you may have convinced me on TCU. But I've got TCU at <laughs> number 5. And I, I agree, Blacklock is a, a big, big loss there. But they still return half of their defensive line. And you mentioned um, the Mathis kid. Uh, you mentioned, and I'm going to mess his name up, but Bethley. Uh, those, those again, Mathis is young. I mean, and so he he's going to come in as a redshirt sophomore next year, having uh, being a young guy with a lot of experience. And I just, I you know, you got the left side of your defensive line in, in Mathis. You got Bethley in the in the middle, going to be a senior. And I trust Gary Patterson when it comes to defense. When when you think about, for me, talk about offensive minds in the Big 12, I immediately go to Lincoln Riley. I think he's the best offensive mind in the Big 12. But then you go amongst the head coaches and you talk about which head coach in the Big 12 is the most defensive minded. It's Gary Patterson. 100% Gary Patterson. And so for that reason, I put this group and in my top five, you have them barely outside of the top five, but that's where I've got the Red Raiders at number five. Coming in at number four, a team you had in your bottom half, I've got I've got Texas Tech, and they've got you know they've got two <laughs> of their three guys on that three man front coming back, including Eli Howard, who you already talked about, all Big Twelve caliber. You talked about the fast start that the Red Raiders had going into last season. And again, everything was new last season. New defensive coordinator, which is like mm-hmm. their 30th defensive coordinator in five years, it feels like again. Obviously exaggerating, but new defensive coordinator, new head coach in Matt Wells, 
everything's brand new in Lubbock, Texas, and that group got off to a fast start. Now, how much progress can they make from year one to year two? Well, I think they've got the talent there, particularly in Eli Howard, to be maybe the best defensive line we've seen from Texas Tech going all the way back to the Mike Leach years. I think there's a lot of potential there. And again, you're, I think you're right. It all hinges on Eli Howard. But this is going to be a, a good group of defensive linemen. The only thing is, the, the, the caveat here that could drop them down is going to be um, how good their linebackers are. Because of their stunt, the way they run it, you got to have good linebackers. If you have bad linebackers, you don't really notice the defensive line as much. If you have good, great linebackers, that defensive line will stand out. So I, I got Texas Tech number four. Number five for me is the Oklahoma State Cowboys, who are entering a much different. Um, let me let me start that over because they have a very different equation than what they were facing entering 2019, whereas they lost a majority of their starters. Basically, all of their starting experience was off of the roster where they had to put something together heading into the 2019 season and hoped that it would hold up throughout the the conference portion of the schedule. In 2020, it's a complete different story. In fact, this Oklahoma State defensive line posted some of their best numbers since Joe Bob Clements arrived on campus in 2013. Let's back that up a step. They posted their best numbers in quarterback hurries as well as pass breakups. 30 quarterback All hurries. All the years I was in football, I, I wish I had a coach named Joe, Joe Bob. Joe Bob? Yeah. Too bad. Sorry, go Didn't ahead. Didn't happen for you. The one man that I'm looking at on the defensive line for a breakout season is Trace Ford. The reason I've got Oklahoma State at number five instead of bumping them up, knowing the experience that they have on the defensive line, the one reason holding them back for me is that I don't really see an all-conference caliber defensive lineman that sticks out immediately. Now, that may change as the, the season progresses, but up front in the preseason, I just don't see it. Trace Ford is that, that name that I'm going to be watching who could elevate this team, who could bring them up from number five into that top three for me pretty easily. When it comes to number four, I'm going to go ahead and skip ahead. I do have the Texas Longhorns. I'm waiting for your reaction. It's not coming. The no, Texas, because clearly I have Texas ranked higher than you do because I've, yeah. I've, I've not mentioned them yet. I know. Texas, <laughs> Texas, Todd Orlando is out. Chris Ash in four down lineman front is what he's going to be bringing with them. There will be some changes. When I look at Texas, when I look at the defense, I didn't think they were stellar last year. And I do believe that all starts up front. They gave up 431 yards per outing. We're not just talking about against LSU. We're not just talking about Oklahoma. That's against all teams. Mm -hmm. That was their average. A team that I'm going to mention, uh, I've already mentioned this once with a team. I'm mentioning it with the Texas Longhorns, and that there's a lot to be desired. On the defensive line, Keandre Coburn started 12 games as a redshirt freshman. He could have a breakout season knowing that he's got that much experience. He could be the one missing link for this defensive line that ties it all together and begins to perform like the talent on the roster, like the names on the piece of paper say that they can. But where there's promise, I need them to prove it to me. And that's where Texas finds themselves. It's why I've kept them out of the top three, even though I do believe the talent exists. 
list. I'm not looking through crimson colored glasses here. The talent is on the roster, but turn that promise, turn that potential into actual productivity on the field, and I'll change my ranking. Now, who did you mention by name for Texas? Keandre Coburn. Yeah, he's the, the big guy in the middle, the, the nose tackle. And then uh, Taquan Graham. Uh, he'll be a senior this year. Uh, so he's a four-year guy. He's a two-year letter winner for, for Texas. Th- they're going to miss big time Malcolm Roach. And th- how they adjust to Malcolm Roach being gone is really what's going to determine how good this defensive front is for the Texas. I've got them at number three, and that's pretty high. But I also want to, you know, what, going back, I said Iowa State could be in the top five. Oklahoma could easily be in the top five. I've got Texas number three. They could easily be in the bottom half. Easily be in the bottom half based on how they adjust to Mm -hmm. losing Malcolm Roach. But I like both of these guys that are returning in this front. I like what they're going. I mean, it's, it's complete desperation mode in Austin, Texas. Once you have to fire the coordinators, there's no one left other than the head guy. So it's going to be a desperation across the board and desperation can either make you a whole lot better or you can crumble under the pressure. This, this position unit right here is going to be a key to that success or that failure. They've got the ability to be really, really good up front. They also have the ability based on new, new experience, you know, lack of depth of experience. They have the ability to crumble. So where I, again, where I've got Oklahoma and, and Iowa state bottom half saying easily, they could be top half. If things go right, Texas top half easily could be bottom half. Things go wrong. So that's going to put me um, at number two with the West Virginia Mountaineers. And I, I'd love this uh, Darius Steele's kid. Uh, they, they, but they're not just returning him. They've got three other guys coming back with him. Now they lose Reese Donahue, uh, who is, you know, you're just looking at me. Yeah, I, I am because you've only mentioned one, one half of the stills brothers. Well, right. But Darius is the one of, of, of the two guys that I think has, this guy's going to be an NFL caliber, undoubtedly NFL caliber talent. So, um, I, I like West Virginia and I, I think West Virginia, I've got them at number two and I think they could be number one. But I, it's it's because it's West Virginia that I'm giving them number my even giving my number one the the edge over the Mountaineers just because it's West Virginia first year of new head coach was not a good year this team does not have a great offense going into 2020 a lot of pressure on this defense you're going to see them start strong in the first second quarters you're going to see them start wearing down in the third and fourth quarters which is going to affect defensive production but. Up front, these guys are going to be solid, and it's going to be led by Darius Steele. So I've got the Mountaineers number two on my list. I'm at number three over here, and I have, surprise, surprise, the West Virginia Mountaineers as well. And it's largely because of the Steele's duo, Darius and Dante, who accounted for 26 and a half tackles for loss. I don't know if you knew this, Matt, but that's that's over 30% of what the team accounted for, and they did it from the defensive line. It talks about the type of talent that they are. It talks about the cohesiveness playing for so long together that they have and the ability to be disruptors of an offense. 
I think it's a, a huge confidence booster that these two are coming back. You've mentioned the NFL potential for Darius, but it's a huge confidence booster for a team that's looking for anything right. to latch onto. When I look at West Virginia and what they've what they've been able to do, I also have to consider the depth. Mm-hmm. And they have seven scholarship players who are returning along the defensive line. So not only do they have the experience they've now got the depth. It's why I thought they were deserving of a top three ranking. And I do expect them to be successful once again, regardless of how the rest of the team competes and performs comparatively. Number two Wait, for me, hold on. do you at least agree with me that Darius is the better of the two? Darius They're is both the better. good. Yeah. So Darius is the it, NFL it, guy. In right my now. opinion, Darius will be a, a first round selection at the, not first round selection a, f- a first team, all conference selection. Gotcha. Because that sounded like an NFL pick, and it was not meant to be. First I got first team all-conference selection at the end of the year. I think Dante's ceiling is second team. Close second, just not quite as dominant as his brother is going to be. At number two, Matt, this is where my big surprises are going to come in for you because you had this team so much lower. I've got the Oklahoma Sooners. And I know that you've mentioned Ronnie Perkins, the talent that is Ronnie Perkins, the force that is Ronnie Perkins missing the first five games or potentially missing the first five games of the season because there is an appeal that there's been no movement on. Are we going to attribute that to coronavirus? I don't know, but it doesn't Lincoln, change the Lincoln fact. Lincoln Riley is. He says it's coronavirus. Mm-hmm. It, down. it doesn't change the fact that there has been no movement. There's been no update. If Ronnie Perkins plays, I may bump the Oklahoma Sooners to number one because I like what they have in Jalen Redmond. Right. I believe that he can be a all-conference selection. He's got that type of talent. He has that type of motor. But I also like, instead of sitting around and saying, okay, we're losing Neville Gallimore to the NFL in the middle, which is a huge trend in the Big 12, by the way, losing the guy in the middle and having to replace him this season. Instead of sitting around and saying, what do we do? Oklahoma was very proactive. You mentioned it with yours that they got the number one and number two JUCO rated defensive tackles to sign on, to fill that hole, to plug that void in an immediate nature, as well as give them depth and be able to play a bit of a rotation if needed. Knowing that they have capable pass rushers, and I'm expecting these JUCO guys to be a plug and play solution, not something that they have to develop, but a plug and play solution that remains effective throughout the duration of the course of the year. Given those factors, Oklahoma is worthy of that number two spot, in my opinion. You want me to get my number one or you want to take it first? No, go ahead. I mean, you're on the roll, man, because yeah, we're not going to be the same we are not. E- either way. Uh, no, we're not you, gonna, you, I just, but I do want to say this about, about your prediction. I think it kind of validates what I'm saying is that what I'm saying is I've got OU at number six because I've got all these question marks. Mm-hmm. And with all these question marks, if they break the right way, this could be a top tier. Right. And, and you're looking at saying, well, I, I, I've got question marks, but I see a lot of potential here. Mm-hmm. And so I think what we're, we're approaching it from, from the same diff- angle. We've right, just come to two di- different solutions. Exactly. Or two different um, endpoints. Right. Because when, you see the potential that I'm hoping is there. I guess right, what I'm and, saying. And when I look at Redmond, I think Redmond's often overshadowed by Perkins. But you know Redmond led the team in sacks right. last year. It, yeah. it wasn't Perkins, and even he, though Perkins gets all the accolades. And let's also not forget about the lack of experience that Redmond has. Right. And that's just raw talent that he mm-hmm. we saw last year. Now we get to see him coached up for a year and put back on right. the field. Right. So again, great things could 
of course be in store, but disaster could also happen given the current circumstances, given the current riddle that the Oklahoma Sooners and more specifically Alex Grinch is trying to solve on the defensive side of the ball as a whole. All right, so we're heading to our, our number, number one. Uh, but just, just to recap, uh, in our top five, TC for me, TCU at five, Texas Tech at four, Texas at three, West Virginia at two. Yeah, five for me was the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Texas Longhorns were number four. West Virginia was number three. The Oklahoma Sooners were number two, which gives me Iowa State at number one. I went back, Matt, to see where we had the defensive line rankings for last year. And surprise, surprise, Iowa State was number one collectively for us. When I look at Iowa State, you've already mentioned Jaquan Bailey, the injury, the season-ending injury that he suffered. He's able to maintain, I believe it was four games in, so I believe he was able to maintain that red shirt. I would have to look that up. He's still eligible for this season. You had mentioned a guy like Zach Peterson with starting experience, but I think it's easy to overlook a guy like a Will McDonald as well as the JUCO National Player of the Year by my research. Double-check me if you want, but the JUCO National defensive player of the year in Latrell Bankston, who's a defensive tackle coming in, attempting to shore up the the losses that Iowa State has suffered in this offseason. When I look at their roster, just based on the four names that I've given, I do believe that three of them are worthy of all conference consideration. Now, a lot of things have to happen because we've said that about a lot of names on this roster. A lot of things have to go in their favor in order to edge out one of the other Mm -hmm. names from some of these other programs. But Iowa State combined this defensive line combined with the brain that is Matt Campbell has always been a recipe for success. I don't expect that to be any different. I believe they've got an edge rusher who can make things happen. And now they're looking for that guy who can be in the middle and can can really draw those double teams to free up the guys on that edge. I'm buying into that's Latrell Bankston. You may not be, but here we sit. I just have a hard time with unproven. So that, that's my whole point. I have a hard time. With, that's why Oklahoma's so low. I, they've got great Juco talent in the middle of that line, but it's unproven. And and, well, and that's a large reason why I've got Oklahoma State number two and Iowa State number one think, is because of the Juco I talent. I think Oklahoma State is more proven. Excuse me, Iowa State. I've one. got, okay. So I think Oklahoma State's more proven than Oklahoma is on the defensive line. Um, but Iowa State, again, I said, easily could jump up based on if everything goes right. I just don't know that it will. Mm-hmm. My number one is Oklahoma State. And they're all, you know, they got four guys coming back. And they're all youngsters. So there's just one junior uh, on this group coming back this season. And you you mentioned some of the names. And, you know, a guy like Trace Ford, who came in as a true freshman and was really, I mean, if you're as a true freshman and your name is getting called and people are taking notice of you, that mm. means you've got a lot of potential. And I think Trace Ford, another year in this system, an, another another year stronger. Um, the uh, the Antoine kid, Israel Antoine, in the, in the middle, the Oklahoma State is set with four returning starters on the defensive line that are young but experienced. And so I, I like the Cowboys. I like the position that they're in. And just as I said with Oklahoma, when we did the offensive line rankings and I had Oklahoma at number one on the offensive line, and I said, this is going to be the difference maker when it comes to offensive football in the Big 12, where Oklahoma is not number one at quarterback, but they're close. Not number one at running back, but they're close. Not number one at pass catchers, but they're close. Having the top offensive line in the conference helps bridge those gaps while you're close. 
Same thing with Oklahoma State on the defensive side of the ball. They're not going to be tops in all the other position rankings, but they're going to be close, And but they're going to have four solid guys that are returning starters. And again, you said, I, I don't see an all-conference caliber guy there. Maybe there's not, but let's go back to what we talked about. You can have the best off defensive lineman in the Big 12, but if he's surrounded by two or three guys that are just bad, you've got a bad defensive line. So you don't have to have an all-conference defensive lineman to have a really, really, really good defensive line. you got to have four guys that are good at what they do. They don't have to be the best, but collectively, they're good at their position. And that's where Oklahoma State is going to enter this season. And the truth is, I'm scared of Oklahoma State on the offensive side of the ball because I think they've got the best running back. It's close, but I think they've got the best running back. I think they've got the best wide receiver. So that scares me. Defensively, it scares me because I think they have the best defensive line in the Big 12 going into the season. So now that leaves it up to you, our listeners. First of all, thank you. We appreciate everybody who listens to the Sooner Nation podcast, and we want to hear from you. Let us know where you agree. Let us know where you disagree. You can always hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. You can go to heartland-sports.com. Find our podcast page and drop some notes there in the comments section and tell us, hey, here's what I think. Or you could want to keep it low key. You can email us heartland underscore sports yahoo.com. Make sure to hit us up with a subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, tune in, wherever you get this, hit us up with a, a subscription to the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Boomer Sooner. <laughs>